Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. This one um, is a recap of our hunting beast scouting workshop. Um, just want to say real quick thanks to Dan for having us over there and uh, putting on, you know, just a great, great event. If you guys get a chance to check out any of the seminars, um, the workshops that Dan puts on, definitely, um, I mean, we say it a bunch in the, the podcast, but if you get a chance, definitely check it out over at the uh, the Hunting Beast Forum. Uh, that's usually where you can find most of the information on there, and they, they seem to be kind of last minute um, where it would seem like you can't plan them out a year in advance because they don't know about the weather. Um, this one was in a, like a blizzard the day before the Saturday one, it was nice and sunny and everything. And, and this one was, I mean, just snowing and blowing the whole time, but it was, it was great. So this is just our perspective on the, the workshop and kind of our takeaways, uh, from it. And, and how we're going to implement it into uh, our scouting and, and our seasons going forward. I did do quite a bit of video. Um, I'm going to put together that video. I'm not sure. I don't know how much there's going to be to gain from it. Um, you know, I mean, anytime that Dan talks, there's tons of great information that you can get from it. But what I found is while I was videoing, I kind of wasn't paying attention. Um, so I got kind of like the higher points um, and it's driven by questions. So um, I'll put it together and see uh, how it comes out. Uh, but just a quick uh, side note: I'm using that uh, Panasonic Lumix FC300, and it literally had two inches of snow on it the entire day, and uh, was you know, was constantly blowing snow off of it and everything, and it held up just fine. Um, worked great. The video turned out good. So, um, just like a little side note on that, and. Uh, just a couple updates. Uh, if anybody uh, is going to be over at the Outdoor Rama in uh, Novi at the end of this month, we'll be there 
hanging out in the tethered booth all weekend, helping them out, um, kind of showcasing the, the new uh, Phantom that they've got out. And um, so stop by and see us. We'll be over there um, Friday afternoon, Saturday, and then all day Sunday. So for most of the weekend, we'll be over there. Uh, so stop by, say hi, and, uh, you know, we'd love to meet you. And um, that's kind of uh, all I got for the intro. You know, thanks again to our Patreons. Uh, we're going to be giving away, at the end of this quarter, the uh, scouting series by Jason Samkowiak, um, as well as some other stuff that I'm still working on. So, uh, But we'll get that out to you. And uh, I've got some other things to give away to our Patreons here coming up. Uh, if you want to check out that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And, uh, you know, we really do appreciate them. They're, they're the supporters that allow us to take trips over there, like, like to go to this seminar and, and things like that. And we really appreciate them following along and, and kind of supporting the show. And um, we appreciate all of our listeners. Um, so if you get a chance, you know, leave us a review. Let us know what we can do better. And tell someone else about the show. Um, you know, this maybe you didn't know that they had these. Uh, seminars, uh, you know, point them to this podcast and say, Hey, check this out. You know, maybe we should do this next year or, or something like that. Um, but follow along with us on Instagram, Facebook, and, uh, look for the videos coming out on YouTube and, uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, we are back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We are driving home from Wisconsin from the Dan Infault Scouting Workshop, and uh, it snowed about six or eight inches today, so um, road conditions are not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) So if uh, you hear a big crunch and some screaming, um, or if we die, uh, honey, I love you. <laughs> but um no so we're just going to try and get this done um while it's fresh on our mind um so we drove over to so it's sunday we drove over saturday night it's about a five and a half hour drive for us and then we just slept in the parking lot and uh i didn't think it was too bad the drive over last night was fine yesterday the weather was great for their scouting workshop um and it was a pretty clear drive and even we got into the we got here about four in the morning and uh it was just maybe starting to snow a little bit and then it basically snowed all day so probably six inches of snow or so would you say oh yeah for sure so that was i don't know do you think it hindered the workshop at all no not really i mean yeah it was it was pretty cold (laughs) definitely cold windy but you can definitely see why they call them the hunting beast because dan's out there all day with just a ball cap on no gloves a vest (laughs) freaking sleeves rolled up when we rolled into the parking lot this morning it was 17 degrees so i know i had like two pair of pants on Two pair of socks, two coats, <laughs> and I was still pretty cold, but it was uh, worth every minute of it. Yeah, I know last night it was like 17 degrees when we got here, so I don't know. I mean, it's 30 degrees now. Yeah. 
So the real, I mean, it heated up throughout the day, but so, so John, I feel like with, uh, myself and, and I, I feel like sometimes I always get you on these like harebrained things where you're like, what are we going to do this for? Who is this we're talking to? Or, you know, what, what, what now? What, what? So, um, when I told you about this, like, cause I've been trying to go to this thing for like the last three years, but it's always just been inopportune time with like my, my wife being out of town or, or something like that. So this year when it came up and I was free, um, like, Hey, do you want to go? And you know, you're like, yeah, sure. But I mean, I guess what were your expectations going into it? Well, after we had him on the podcast the last time, <clears throat> You know, and we talked about it then. It was like, yeah, I definitely, definitely wanted to go. And when you, you know, brought it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go. You know, and I was, you know, excited to put. I know you, you've got the Marshland, you know, uh, scouting DVD of his. And I haven't seen that one yet, but I've watched, you know, quite a few of his videos and listened to his podcast. And so, you know, throughout the this last season, We've kind of been, you know, bouncing ideas off each other and, you know, scouting different areas and, you know, trying to put it all together. Well, today I think it was kind of like a, not an aha moment, but like a accumulation of what we've been trying to learn and then seeing like his actual hunting spots. And well, I mean, we'll get into all that, but I was definitely, you know, it was better than I expected. And what did you expect? I mean, I guess what were you thinking? Because, I mean, you're just, you know, you're just kind of coming in to basically look at a spot that you can't hunt, right? So, I mean, what? Right, what? Well, I mean, I I really didn't, I didn't really form an idea of, you know, what to expect. You know, I was, you know, obviously we're going to go walk through the marsh and he's going to show us his, you know, how to look at beds or look for beds and where to look for them. But the way he, like, broke down this property, which was, you know, a, a large, quite large property, uh, definitely, like, break it down and eliminate spots right off the bat. And I know I did a ton of scouting this last fall, you know, hunting, hunt, hunting scouting. And I know I ended up wasting a ton of time after, you know, just going through this, you know. But it also kind of, like I said, it, it helped. It put in pers- perspective of the spots I did find, and I seen deer movement and like out in the marsh and everything. I just didn't get, I didn't get as aggressive as he, you know. Of course, I didn't do the scouting preseason or late season, but now, guaranteed, when I get home, my next free day, I'm going to be up walking these marshes and finding the beds where I, you know, where I've pinned them on onyx or where I think they might be. I'm going to go out and verify it. One of the things that I noticed was that, you know, when I watch his videos and his hunts and things like that, I, I, I find it really hard to relate sometimes. I'm like, oh, we don't have that. It doesn't, it doesn't look exactly like that. But in reality, you know, and, and one of the guys that was at the, the workshop today, he said it, you know, he said, you know, the hunting public talks about, stem count and just the amount of basically like um thickness of the vegetation right the ground cover so if you just replace 
you know, cattails with, with grass and shrubbery or, or whatever. Um, it's very similar to some of the areas that I've hunted and looking at it, um, it, it's a lot more similar than I, I guess I realized. And one of the things for me is I guess I didn't really know, um, what to expect other than, you know, we were going to go out and, uh, I mean, so listening to Dan on a podcast or talking to Dan on a podcast is, or his videos or anything like that is, uh, a great bit of information, but getting to spend time with him and just, I mean, you couldn't have like a more, I mean, he would spend as much time with you as you wanted to and, and talk about, uh, you know, basically whatever. I mean, how long did we spend just sitting at, after we ate our meal, just talking about, you know, hunting in general and, and, and dumb shit, right? Good three hours almost, wasn't it? I mean, or that's 540. Yeah, almost three hours. Yeah. So, so that's one thing that I guess I didn't, I, I didn't expect. I mean, not that I didn't expect that he would take the time, but, you know, just being like, you know, just like a regular dude, <laughs> you know? Right. This, you know, and his perspective on hunting, it, it, and we, I mean, we talked about, you know, just killing deer, turkey hunting, all different things. Um, but then that perspective of, you know, maybe your area doesn't hold that caliber of deer. So you have to, you know, kind of take what you can get. You know, they say the number one thing that you need to kill a 150 is a 150, right? Right. So you can't kill what's not there. So, so reading that now one thing that i was surprised about was you know when you look at i guess my my favorite part of this or like the takeaway was you know when we are walking into all those spots we're passing all of these big runways and you know some some rubs and things like that there was no scrapes or anything visible um but all of the things um that were over uh, that he just walks right past and other things where I would see terrain features come together that I'd be like, well, I would imagine this would be the spot and we're sitting in a spot where, where he would hunt and he's explaining why, you know, that isn't uh, important in this particular scenario, you know? Yeah. I mean, that it definitely uh, shed some light on, you know, he's got so much experience. He's forgot more than, you know, what we ever thought we knew. But, you know, another part of it, too, is, like, he brought us to his actual hunt spots. He, The first spot we went to is the one of the last videos he had just posted. Like, he showed us right where he was sitting, you know, right where the deer came, why he was sitting there, and broke it all down. I mean, you know, right off the bat. So, I mean, that right there, you know, it's one thing to have a guy tell you how to hunt right or you know give some information on hunting and you know their ideas but then to have the hunting beast himself show you his spots and why he hunts there and where he's hunted in the past and you know like what didn't work and what and i mean it was just i mean invaluable well and so many guys that were were at the scout the 
seminar or whatever, um, it just kept coming up about validating. You know, that was one of the things like at the end, he says, you know, what, what was your favorite part of the thing or what did you take away? Uh, what were the important high points? And one of the overwhelmingly uh, repeated things was validation, right? So like you might have these, you might look at Onyx or you might scout a spot and be able to look at it and say, okay, well, this is it. And you go there and on that particular day, you don't see anything or it doesn't pan out. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not the right spot. If you've got the sign saying that there's a big deer in there, it could just be that it wasn't there that day. He said, you know, there's not that many. He said, there's just as many sits where he goes in there and doesn't see anything also. Right. And I think getting that sort of, uh, again, like, I guess if you were to equate it to baseball, you know, and batting average, like you get to see that all the time. So you don't even think about it when your favorite player strikes out or, or whatever, goes old for five. Um, because he's got another game, another whatever. In the hunting world, you know, you're trying to maximize those opportunities, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even, you know, the the best hunters in the world, they go out and don't see anything sometimes also. And I think that's something that we forget because social media tells us that everybody kills a 140, um, that you got to pass on every buck and, you know, so you're going out there trying to essentially level up and, and get better and hunt bigger deer and do all of that sort of thing. Um, and then you don't maybe see anything or you, you're, you're, you're not successful. It doesn't mean that you weren't in the right spot, you know? Right. John's passing cars on the right here in a blizzard, so... <laughs> Forgive him if he's not. Uh, yeah, we got one lane to drive in. <laughs> <laughs> so, how is this going to change the way that you? I mean, what is your main takeaways or whatever? How are you going to utilize this for the upcoming seasons? Well, for one, I'm going to do more preseason scouting, like starting now. I mean, that's you know, I did a ton of, like I said. I, I did a ton of in-season scouting last year, but it just, I didn't want to go in and bump stuff and, you know, where now going out and, and we, I kind of, I asked him a question like right now going out basically as a greenhorn and looking for these beds and stuff out in these marshes and looking for the, 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 the bigger trees on the transition points and, or, transition lines and little looking for points going out into the marsh um right now i mean we could walk on walk on the water basically you know Mm -hmm. we're out in the marsh we're walking on the ice it's froze over good then we get out there and yeah you can tell like the grass or you know the cattails is kind of you know uh, beat down or whatever but you can't really tell that it was a bed and so i asked him you know like how do you know that this is a bed? He's like, well, I know because of my experience here. But if you wait and let the wait until a little bit later when everything starts to thaw, you'll be able to see because it'll the, it'll be matted down. You'll actually see where the deer are bedding. So even though you know right now I go out in a 
say I go out into my spot, that marsh I hunted quite a bit this year, I I have an idea where they're where they were bedding, but I can go out there now that it's froze and I can, you know, look for that sign. Okay. There's no, no vegetation up, you know, it's matted down, but I can't really see a bed, but then I can go back again and validate it. Where if I go out there and sure there's a tree there, but there's no mound and all the grass and stuff is still sticking up through the snow. Well, then that's going to be like, well, that probably wasn't a bed then. Of course, you know, Michigan right now, we've got some of the highest water levels we've had in years. So a lot of the swamps and, you know, there's that that used to be high ground are now underwater. And like he said, the deer are not going to bed. They're not going to lay down in standing water. They're going to go find somewhere that's dry. But So one of the questions that I had asked him, and because he talked about, you know, confidence in your area so you know what all these guys we've talked about it we've talked about it with western hunters we've talked about it with the hunting public we've talked about it with dan infill you know be um jason samkoviak if they're not confident in a spot they'll get down and move they're not going to waste their time their time is too valuable right so that's one of the things when he he was talking about you know maybe doing an observation sit maybe doing a uh maybe backing off and kind of observing well the question that i asked was how do you observe not burn out a spot in some of these spots that are just so tight or that are so um, uh, specific you know you you're not going to walk you know an hour through waist deep cattails to go observe a spot and he said well Observing doesn't necessarily mean sitting in a tree stand. So if he doesn't have time to hunt, he'll go drive around and check tracks. And we, when we talked to Joe Rentmeister, he was talking about the same thing, about just going around and checking the tracks before work, after work, on his lunch, you know, whenever he could. Um, or just just glassing, you know, and, and looking where these bucks are, uh, shining, all of these different things so that he knows if there's a buck in the area that he wants to kill or I probably more importantly, if there's not. Right. And so that allows him the confidence to say, if I was here or this deer keeps showing up here, then I would be, this is where I would go. So I thought that was interesting because that's one of the things that I need to work on and I'm going to plan on working on is not, um, not so much like trying to find hunting areas. Although I think this probably goes hand in hand, but I'm going to try to find like target animals or find a couple good deer in the areas that I hunt. So, I think one of the things that I got like messed up on or like my perspective got skewed was I was too busy looking at, I guess maybe not too busy. Maybe I was uh, too focused managing my time. I was saying, well, I need to focus on finding these spots. Right. So I'd find the spot, but it didn't matter if there was the 
the bucks, big buck sign there. Cause I just thought, well, this is a spot that's away from people that has all of these features, but never was locating that deer in that area or, um, a target animal. You know what I mean? Right. And so you actually found a big deer that you were kind of going in after, but it wasn't, wasn't, um, like we, John, I think, I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. We talked, I think John and I talked about it just ourselves. Um, but like, I don't have the obsession to pursue these deer. I don't know. I don't even know if it's even as much as I should. <laughs> that this is a t- seems like a terrible way to <laughs> to say it. Like I should care more about killing big bucks, um, but it just doesn't. You know, that's not what drives me. What what drives me to hunt is to be out in the woods, to figure out deer, and to try to, um, you know, put yourself in a position, yeah, to kill one. But it's it doesn't. I mean, I guess I'm still in my old mindset of. Well, I'm going to shoot whatever comes by, you know, I, I'm going to put myself in a, in an area where I hope a big one comes by. They're better areas than I used to be, but right. I'm not saying I hope this big one comes by or the one that made that sign comes by. You know right. what I'm saying? And that's kind of like his progression that we talked about afterwards at the restaurant. He's like, you know, at first I was just a, he was just a stone cold killer. He wanted to kill everything. And then it got to the point, okay, well, I've killed them. Now I want to kill a buck. And then he killed a bunch of bucks. Then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to kill a bigger buck. And then with his progression, he got to the point where I want to kill the biggest buck. And now he's at the point where he's done all that. And now he's like, he said he's like, he would rather do this kind of stuff and help other hunters, young hunters, uh, you know, like up their game and show them how to go about it, which is, you know, that's, I'm not at that point. I mean, where, I mean, obviously I don't have the knowledge to do that. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm pretty confident I can go out, find deer and kill deer. And, you know, I see deer, but like what you're saying, I haven't put the time in to go out, find a big buck and be confident enough. Like, all right, I know he's bedded here. I know why, why he's here. And I know when I'm going to go in and have the best opportunity to kill that buck. I did a little bit of that. You know, preseason, I did find a a dandy buck, one of the best bucks I've seen in years in Michigan, shining, which is another tool that he uses. And kind of, you know, we talked about it. It wasn't, I don't think it was on the podcast, but we talked about it like, all right, we found, I found this deer. It was on private fields and stuff, but there's a big chunk of public around. It had marsh. It had like all the, the key features like he talked about. And, you know, I shined him before the season. I was gone for a couple of weeks. Then when, by the time I got back and started getting into that, you know, spot, it was, you know, I think it was too late. Either people had been in there or I might even got in there too far and bumped them. Now where, when I get home, I'm going to go out there and scout that spot and try to, try to find his, you know, bedroom. And then I'll come back next year if he's still around. If if he's not, there's going to be another one in there. That's what he's, you know, that's another thing he talked about was if there's a big buck in the area, there's a reason why he's there. And once you kill that one, 
another one's going to move into that area, most likely. Yeah, and in that progression, um, I think it's an important note to, to touch on because, you know, no matter who's listening to this podcast, it's it's important to keep that perspective is like what makes you happy as a hunter and what makes in in and i guess what drives your i was gonna say the why right? right so why are you doing this are you doing it because like for me like i like i said it's just fun like i enjoy it i enjoy the camaraderie i enjoy the conversation i enjoy the pursuit um and yeah everybody likes to kill a big buck or, or whatever um but i'm not to the I, I guess i'm not to the point yet where i'm frustrated that i'm not killing these bucks like last year like i said i got in on a whole bunch of racked bucks but i didn't have the the drive or the the anger the concern the frustration however you want to say it to be like all right damn it like now i'm going to go back in there and i'm going to kill him tomorrow because he did this this is what i think he did you know, and I don't know if that makes me a bad deer hunter, if, you know, whatever. I mean, because I had a ball and I, I'm not like pissed like, oh, man, I was so close. Because I think so many people get like down on themselves if they don't. Yeah, do I mean, that, with social know. media and everything now that you got this pressure on you. You think, like you're saying, everyone's got to go out and kill a big buck in order to be, you know, to be happy. But for one, I know one thing. There's nothing more that makes me happy than eating you know <laughs> venison i love fresh venison and so yeah i'd love to kill a big buck but I also i i'd love just like you're saying i'd love to get out there and you know get out and sit in a tree even if i don't see a deer just being in the woods it's almost like a meditation you know get away from everything you know i might have my phone with you know but i'm most of the time if i'm on my phone in a tree i'm looking at my spot on onyx you know looking okay you know and i see deer moving okay where are they coming from why are they coming from there where are they heading what what's around you know that you know how can i make this spot better how can i move through this area and and kind of you know i i guess i was doing more of observation sits you know a lot of you weren't targeting a specific deer or a specific spot or a specific feature right you know um but I think that's kind of like a rabbit hole, you know, that we kind of took down about, you know, where where we are and kind of what drives us and how we're going to use this scouting seminar to move forward. But one of the things that I think is is interesting about that is wouldn't you think that, that would be like the last thing that you would want to that you would have expected to come out of the the hunting beast seminar, right, is that you just sat down with a guy that has killed, you know, a lot of big bucks. I mean, trophy class animals. And when you think that you would come out of there saying like, oh man, I got to go kill these big bucks, you know, now, you know, it wasn't like that was pounded into us. Not it, at it all. It wasn't, that wasn't not the, this was not a, this is how you kill big bucks deal. This was saying, these are the spots that I hunt. This is why this is where the big bucks live. And you can take that information and fit it into your hunting style, however you see fit. Now, 
granted, I would say that the people that shows up for these seminars are the people that are trying to improve or, I mean, obviously you don't go there thinking that you know it all. <laughs> no. You're so, you go there thinking like, fuck, I don't know anything. And then you get there and you're like, man, I'm not that far off. You know, I think for myself, a lot of the things that I'm doing is, I, and what's odd is how everything is related. So we went and um, did this swamp marsh bedding seminar, whatever. I don't know, workshop, I guess. Um, but I gleaned off a lot of information that I can use hunting like farm fields and like some of the other areas where I'm hunting, it's like, okay, this is where, this is what I need to be doing. This is how I need to be approaching it because of the way that bucks bed and deer bed. And it's not necessarily intuitive until somebody slaps you in the face with it and says, okay, look, this is the way that it works. And this is how, and I, I doubt that there was anybody that was there at any point that didn't see something while we were walking around and went, you know, that one time when I was hunting in this spot and this happened, now I know, now why. I know why. Right. You know, and I think for myself, a lot of the stuff is I was going in like too far and not that I was busting out these deer like while I was getting up the tree because that's what you know, Dan was talking about it happened to Mario in a couple spots and he showed us and he showed us why. But I think that I was just going in too far and busting them out on my way in. And and that's one thing he didn't really talk about. We didn't talk a whole lot about access. You know, we didn't talk about like access, speed, direction, well, kind of why. I mean, we did a little bit like, like he was talking about how when he's cutting through the marsh, you know, through the cattails, he's like, you know, he's had other hunters walk up to him in the marsh, like the the squirrel hunter. Or mm-hmm. There was another one, um, and he didn't even hear it. Here, you know, and I and I'm guilty of this. Like when I'm, that's one of the things when I'm, I got out like last last fall. I'm out there walking and, and I start getting out in them cattails, and I'm like, damn, I'm making all kinds of noise. I'm gonna blow everything out. And he's like you can get away with a lot more than what you think, you know? So the, the cattails absorb a lot of that sound and the deer make the same sound themselves. So, you know, they're making noises, they're walking through. Of course, you're, if you're walking up to one in a, in a bed, that's, you know, 10 feet away, you're going to bust them out. But, you know, it, it just, like I said, it just put it all into like perspective. Like, all right, don't be afraid to get out there and do it. You know, I mean, now you have his Marsh DVD. Mm-hmm. So tell me that how did it, I mean, obviously you watched it, went through it, because I know you've been putting a lot of that stuff into your, you know, your hunting repertoire or whatever you want to call it. But watching a DVD and then going to a seminar, how do those two compare? Well, the DVD, it shows you and it breaks it up on like, so they get into those spots and a lot of those spots where where we were, and then they'll show a hunt or they'll show, um, yeah, basically they'll they'll show a hunt and they'll show deer movement, 
And then they put a, a map on there and then they draw a wind direction and access. And this is where the deer was. Um, but it's completely two-dimensional. Right. And you know as well as I do, because, I mean, we talked about it on the way over here, was like when you're, you know, because we're talking about, you know, making more videos and trying to put stuff out there. And there's this like creative element to a video, but like no matter what, it's very difficult or unless you're very, very good at it to um, tell that story from like and get the big, big picture from because you're not looking at all of the like little features. And so in this case, you know, a lot of the hunts that are on Dan's channel, a lot of the hunts that are in that video took place on this property. And so now there's more to draw from because like I said, you know, there's the amount of things that you walk by. Right. That was the amount of things that we would have got hung up on in the past. Right. And, and that you can't show in a DVD because you, you, I mean, when you show a video, if you start showcasing all these rubs, no matter the size, um, it looks like that's what you're focusing on. You can't like focus on a rub and be like that. That one doesn't matter because up here is right. a little faint trail that leads out to this bedding that has all the rubs way out there. And to to put the actual distance in there to, like I said, no matter how big your TV is or like whatever, um, the ability to paint that picture with that broad of a stroke to to give you the full effect and another thing um you know well, one of the well back to that point real quick because he like one spot we we're walking down we we seen a ton of rubs and we just like I said walked by them another spot we actually got down into the marsh and we come up on a enormous rub i think you got pictures of it right yeah so we'll post that in on our on our page and stuff but if i would have seen that i would have been holy shit this is the spot this tree is like a good eight inches or, or larger. It's a basketball-sized tree. Yeah. I mean. And it's just, it's rubbed up, and then the branch above it's rubbed up, and he looked at it, and he's like, ah, that's a little buck. It's not very high. He goes, I just keep on walking. And then also the spot that it was at. He's like, you know, this is not where we you'd want to set up. And, and then earlier in the day, we came up to a rub that was on a tree maybe – maybe an inch and a half in diameter out in one of these beds. And it was six inches long, but it was at Dan's shoulder height. We and have he's a picture like, of that too, don't we? Yeah, I think, well, I think I got it on the video. But yeah. he says, now this one is one, because he's like, it doesn't really matter where the tine length is or anything back behind it on this tree. He's like, this is high. <laughs> this is a big deer. Yeah. Um, but but so that stuff, that is very difficult to, uh, I would say, to put into perspective on the DVD. And then, like I was going to say, so there was this one point where he was, he was showing um, this, this bowl, and he was explaining how the wind works in it and how the deer bed out there and all of this stuff and uh, one of the other guys that was in the seminar asked me if i 
looked at that and just immediately recognized it as a bowl. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, just be, because of the way that everything laid out. And I would say, you know, on Onyx, this is how you look at it. But one of the reasons why I knew that it was there already is all these cattails were frozen over. And right through the center of it, a tornado had gone through. And you could walk out into the absolute center of this cattail marsh. That's, I have no idea how many acres the marsh itself would, how many acres of cattails there were there. A lot. But you could get a 365 degree view where if you were there anytime when it wasn't frozen. You got an extra five degrees in there, right? What's that? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you could go all the way around. 360, right. One for every day. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's been, it's been a long couple days. Um, but, but regardless, you could get the full view of this, and it's frozen. If you were in there in June or November, you, you would have been waist deep in muck. If not. And if those cattails weren't laid down, then they would have been over your head. So, and you know, we've talked about my experiences just trying to go through the middle of CRP or cattails or any of that other bullshit. You can't, you get in there and you can't see. But now on this day, you could stand in the center of that marsh and get a full look all the way around and you could see where all these points came down and where these ridges came up and and how everything kind of laid out going back down into this and you can show that on a map and you can say okay they bed here or bed here or bed here and you can see you know maybe on onyx that you could say um that there was uh deer trails or the um the wheels on the spoke coming out from this bedding area or that but to get down in there and then see why and see like how thick everything is and um i think that that those are some of the main takeaways of dvd versus being there outside of the fact of you know you you also don't get that uh the question the question and answer portion on the dvd yeah. And you can you can try and relate it, you know, you can ask say, "Hey, in my area I have this, this, this and this. Have you ever encountered this because it kind of lays out similar to this?" And then it just tells you, you know, how he would break it down or whatever. So it's it's just one of those things where those types of things would make one more valuable than the other, the difference or or however you want to you know, you've watched a lot of the YouTube, you've watched the hunting public, you've, and, and, you know, so to some degree, this can kind of also relate to, um, like, uh, parallel what we did elk hunting, right? Because you, we watched all of the elk hunting, everything, but we couldn't get out there and, and see it. Right. Um, and then you went out there and saw that. I mean, how do the two differ from you watching YouTube videos and watching, um, you know, Dan break things down on there or just watching the hunts. Yeah, it, 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 it's definitely a whole 
it's a whole other ball game. I and mean, when we got out there, you know, you're talking about that little bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we're walking up and there was guys asking different questions and stuff, and he got into the point, I don't know if he talks about this, I'm sure, he, I know I've heard him talk about how, like, as the thermals in the evening, as if you're sitting close to a body of water, you know, that water is warmer than the air in the evening and it'll rise up and it'll actually pull your the wind towards that body of water out towards their bedding area you know looking at that spot i'm like okay yeah he's pointing out where the buck beds are or where the bed you know the deer beds are and i would have probably screwed it up because i would have got closer to the edge and tried to hunt that you know Mm -hmm. where he's like what he does is he stays back off the edge because then he gets away from that thermal effect and he still has you know this this little area the way it's set up there was the marsh there were some hardwoods and then it probably it was probably 100 maybe 80 to 100 yards deep of the hardwoods and then it went out to a field and he's like the deer come up they get up out of their beds and then they come out into that hardwoods and then they kind of stage in that area and then they get out to the edge of that where the field is but they don't ever the well the, the young deer you know the you know immature bucks and does they'll they'll walk out into that field but he's like the mature bucks won't. They won't step foot out into that until it's dark. So he's like, so, he, you know, and like I said, there was a couple guys like, why are you sitting back there? Or where would you sit? He's like, I'm going to sit back there because I know that they're going to come in here and they're just going to mill around and I'm going to most likely get an opportunity to sit or get a shot. But if I'm up close to that water, so water source, there's a, you know, potential of that thermal effect pulling that out and then the way the wind swirls in that bowl it's just going to circulate it out and these they're going to at some point in the evening they're going to get your scent and then they're going to wash out you know go out the back door or whatever so you know that that right there just being able to question them and get that information you know firsthand is it i mean yeah i've heard it in his videos and stuff but like i said i would have I would have got too close. Well, and that's, you know, I was one of the guys asking questions on that. Now that you say that, because he said, if I'm up, there was a rub line that went maybe like mm, 30 yards, 20 yards, maybe from the edge of the, the marsh. And it was uh, right there was relatively open. I mean, you know, he had just got done saying, in open hardwoods, if you find big rubs, you know, bucks don't make those until after dark. Until after dark. So I would have said that, well, that's pretty open. That maybe constitutes open hardwoods. It's uh, It was paralleling the marsh edge. So in these bedding or, I mean, as, as Frank likes to say, when you have like a high density of rubs, so whether it's like, I don't know what those kind of like bushes are, but there'll be like clumps of these trees that come up and they'll just be all shredded up or whatever. Right. And when it's like de- right, a whole bunch of an, um, of them in an area, you know, Frank always says, you know, that deer spent a lot of time right here. Mm-hmm. So wh- whether that was in the evening or, or whenever, I mean, that would be proximity to where you think they're bedding. But this ru- rub line, paralleled the edge of that marsh so it wasn't it showed you direction travel but it didn't really show me that they spent a whole lot of time there 
And so I would have tried to set up closer to that using Dan's ideals by saying, okay, well, if I think they're betting out there right. and they're going to come up here and there was trails, I mean, we walked up on a trail right to that area. So I would have set up maybe right on those rubs and try and shoot them when they came out of the marsh. When in reality, the A, the thermals would fuck you, but by being up higher, he was shooting to that rub line, and that was actually a rut transition area. Right. And those bucks were just cruising that area. And what he said was, and this is something that I didn't, I've never heard on any of the podcasts or videos or anything. And maybe it's just like my personal oversight but of like trying to think about when the rubs were made so whether were they early season were they extremely fresh whatever i always thought about that in terms of hunting hot sign when it's hot right right so you're you're that's where the deer are in the area instead of saying this is rut sign so this is a rut travel corridor because when you talk about, he was talking about, you know, these rubs only pop up here in these certain times of year, and it's not a direction of travel. It's just, uh, um, you know, it is. They spend a lot of time there, so it may be a bedding area for the rut and the rut only, and it's because it's in between two doe bedding areas right. or something like that. So they're just camping out there, waiting for, you know, something uh, doe to go into heat. Uh, I never really put, I mean, obviously you think about, well, this one happened in November. This one's fresher. That It's November now. I'm going to hunt that. But never thinking about it year over year. Right. Putting it in the bank. Like, okay, now this spot, I'm not going to go in there because I didn't see the rubs until, fresh rubs until November, until like the rut. Mm-hmm. Or I got in there late and all the rubs, you know, they were from this year, but they're already, they're dried up. So, they're from early season. So, okay, well, that was more of like their summer pattern, going to food source, whatever. And they might, you know, moved on to their rutting area now. Or, you know, there there were still fresh rubs. I mean, here we're the beginning of February, and there's still fresh rubs out right now. I mean, I, I mean, shit, half the deer, I mean, I'm sure most of them don't even have horns the last time. I mean, so... They were, they were pretty recent, but, you know, so that was like, you know, what do you, I've heard him talk about this, you know, he, he, he likes to hunt the early season when they're still in their summer pattern. He, and then he likes, number two, he likes to hunt late season when they're back into their, you know, their feeding pattern. And he's like, especially in the evenings, they really get back onto that. They're, they're much more patternable in the late season when they're getting back they're trying to put that fat back on they're trying to get ready for the rest of the winter and they're on a food source so i mean that right there that's all part of part of you know the late season in season scouting late season scouting uh you know off season whatever you know like right now going out there and looking at it, like okay and we could even we could still he pointed it out in another spot where he's like all right look at this rub right here this rub is still you know, good, it's orange-brown, that was a fresh rub. But that one right there is still from the season. 
He's like, so that's telling me that they're moving through this area pretty much throughout. You know, so... Just... One of the things that, like, he couldn't have staged any better was um, when we first got down in there and he was showing us where he had uh, missed that deer uh, on his very last hunt there when he was hunting on the ground, he said, okay, we're going to walk out here. I'm going to show you where the beds are. And uh, so we're looking at the beds, and then we walk up to another set, and he's pointing out, and then there's... See that willow tree way out there, that dead one? There's deer bedded over there. That's where they would be bedded. And I swung the camera over there, and I was, like, zooming in just to make it. And then, like, three deer were running away. It was like, oh, shit, he's back. He's back. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that right there just, you know, tells you the knowledge that he has. I mean, he's like, yeah, I I could go out there and say that, oh, yeah, there's deer bedded over there, and I could just be full of shit where he's pointing out, and all of a sudden there's actually deer popping up. As we're doing this workshop. So, it is, you know. That's one thing that I, I mean, I don't know, you know, they went through there and scouted the whole thing yesterday also. Um, But I was kind of surprised, I guess, that we didn't see more deer running around out there. I mean. Yeah, they're also, I mean, when we pulled in the parking lot, the rabbit hunters and and their dogs all blew through there too, so. Yeah, that probably didn't didn't help um but yeah i would recommend anybody who wants to improve their hunting um if you have the opportunity to um to get over there and to do one of his workshops and uh, i believe he's doing others farm country and hill country uh workshops and i mean hell even for us i would say it would be something that would be worth going and doing because you're gonna pick up something no matter what right and i believe that you know even more so than um hunting to a degree you know we say you know every time you go out and hunt you should learn something you know and you need to figure that out what what that's going to be like the amount of like learning you could you could take away from this is i mean more than a couple seasons worth because you're you're actually getting to sit there and see the sign and 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 hear what happened when how why versus just seeing it on a video or or something like that like whether it was a an isolated incident or you know any of those yeah you know i'm just kind of beating a dead horse here but it's really gonna it it's gonna put it in perspective like if you if you've watched any of just even if it's youtube videos or even with like the hunting public and stuff how they talk about you know the bedding and getting in the transition areas and stuff and you might be dabbling in some of that and going out and doing some of the scouting and, you know, and seeing some of this, but you're kind of not putting it together. For you to come over and, and do this workshop is worth every penny. It's worth every, you know, second of your time to come over and 
it will definitely, you know, make you a better hunter. I mean, it'll put it in perspective. One thing I wanted to, to, to say that I also need to work on, and we didn't really cover it. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't part of the, the day. I mean, he didn't say like, this is what you need to do. Um, but he had mentioned like in some of the things when he was younger and like keeping very good notes. And I've heard that from a lot of different, yeah. um, people who are like consistent yeah, killers. They, Uh-oh. they have Jason Campbell for sure. Um, but a, a lot of the different guys will have all these notes where they write down, like, when they go out and scout, what they saw, what they broke down. And just a quick shout-out. I don't know if John's seen it, but the Whitetail Experience, Byron and Dave, sat down and did a video podcast that they put on their YouTube that talks about, like, their scouting and uh, kind of what they do. Um, definitely need to check that out because it's some great information um and it's it's another one of those kind of like it would be some you you would be remiss if you didn't check it out because it's it's just regular guys just like us but that consistently kill big deer by going in where nobody else wants to go so not quite like us i mean <laughs> no, they're they're just like us, except for they're doing those things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're we are regular guys that aren't doing those things, uh, but we 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 we've consulted about it, and uh, we're we're thinking about trying it this year. Um, <laughs> but no, like keeping like solid notes and saying like what you found. Keep a logbook. I mean, yeah, but it, that seems like such a fucking. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all you got to do. Just keep a logbook. No, like, no, I no, mean, it, it's it just like time. videoing your hunts. Like, yeah. yeah, you just bring a camera and you just you just video stuff. Like, it it, it seems so simple, but it's it. I think it just is, needs to be added to your routine. It needs to be part of the process. Right. You know, another uh, a, a way you can kind of do it, too, though. I mean, if you I mean, with our with the digital age right now. Right. And on X and everything. What you can do is when you take a picture Say you take a picture of a rub, right? You got a time stamp, you know, time date. And then if you wanted to take it one step farther, you could actually pull up your weather at the time, right? Everyone's got their smartphones with and take a screenshot of that. Create a folder on your phone for scouting and have that. Okay, this is what I've seen. Then you can have notes too where, you know, I seen this, I seen that, the direction, and then you already have a picture of like what the weather conditions were like. And if there was other, like a side note, I mean, it, you know, say I'm hunting Manistee County and the, the closest town is Manistee on my weather map, and it's a ballpark of it, but then I could make a note and write down, well, the wind was coming out of the southwest more, you know, it, it, you could, you wouldn't have to have an actual pencil and paper log book. You know, unless you're old school, but I mean, there's definitely a ton of resources out there that you could do it, make it a little easier if you're more digitally inclined. So, what are you going to do? How are you going to keep your logbook? Is that what you're you're going to do? That's what I've been kind of thinking because I've always got my phone on me, and I can, you know, I, even like when I'm doing jobs and stuff. That's what I've been doing. Uh, I've been, you know, 
I take down all my hours and and I'm taking photos of the stuff that I need to get, you know, remember because, I mean, I'm getting old. And I can't mm-hmm. remember shit from one minute to the next, but if I take a picture of it and I have it in there, I'm like, oh, yeah, did I take a picture of it? Oh, yeah, I can go back. What was on my list? So mm. that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of pointing towards. See, I feel like I'm more of a pen and paper type guy, but I do also think that that leaves you an out, right? Because you're not going to go without your phone or it'd be rare. Right. But it'd be like, well, I forgot my pen and paper, so... You could even take your notes on your phone and do some of that stuff, and then when you get back, then sit down when you get a chance and write it out in your logbook. Because I think you have a hard copy that you're never going to lose because... Everyone loses a phone now and then. But that's one of the things that I, like, that's the way that I learn things right. is by writing them down because then I know that I did it. I think that so much stuff in, in my phone is like, yeah, I just take a screenshot of that. And yeah, you can reference it later, but it's, it's I'm, not I'm imprinted not a, in I'm here. not organized, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, so, overall takeaway for, like, what three things... Are you going to go home and be like, this year for this season, from this workshop specifically, are you going, what's going to change? Number one, and I'm guilty of this, I'm going to go out and find way more spots. Because, like he was saying, he might hunt a spot one, two, max three times in a season. And so that's telling me, and you know, yeah, like in the bowl area, it might be on the southwest point one night or one set, and then it might be on the northeast, you know, two sets. But then now that spot's done. So, you know, we have a ton of public land. That's all I hunt. I'm just going to have to go out and start putting in time and getting more than more spots than what I have now. That's my number one thing. And getting out there and actually getting off my ass. Because I talk about it. I talked about it for the last few years. I need to do more out, you know, off-season scouting. I got to get out there and do it. Because everybody knows how that, you know, that feeling when you get into season. Like, damn, if I would have just done this, I would have been, I wouldn't be, you know, kicking myself in the ass. Now it's too late. Now I'm in in-season scouting. You know, when you go to a new spot or go out of state, you know, you might only have a week to go out and hunt. Well, obviously, you know, that happened with us in Ohio. You know, we went down there the first year, and it was like a learning curve. But, you know, we went back second year, third year, and we're, you know, as if we kept doing it, we would have had the time, and then we would have been able to consistently, I think, kill big bucks. But, you know, at home, I guess we get kind of get lazy because I can just go out any time, pretty much, instead of, you know, driving eight hours to hunt out of state, pay, you know, higher price for a tag and all that. You know, you're going to invest more time. Stakes are higher. Yeah, stakes are higher. So I guess I get a little complacent around the house and like, yeah, okay, yeah, I know that spot, this spot. But then you get out there and next thing you know, you got a guy moving in on you because he watch Dan Infault's, you know, DVDs, and he's got Onyx, and like, oh, fuck, now he's in my spot. <laughs> it's public land. This isn't your spot. <laughs> but, so, I guess 
the more eggs in the basket you have, the better the better off you are. So I guess that was two, mm-hmm. three. Um, I guess that that just kind of blends all together as three. But just pay more attention to the you know what I'm doing out there, and I guess lay off the because I'm guilty of it too, seeing sign and getting hung up on it. We, whether it's up in a flat or you know like man look at this rub line and it's so tempting to just like well i'm gonna sit here and see what happens and then that's a waste of time basically if you're not close to the bedding area you might get a a young buck if if that's what you you just want to get some deer under your belt you know give it a shot you're gonna probably see something you know there's sign there but you're most likely not going to see that mature buck so I guess those are my three things. What what's uh what's your what's your top three takeaways? I think um the whole idea of being confident and having no wasted sits, I guess. And I you know, I did that two years ago very well. And was very successful and was um, so completely focused on, uh, but that was all in-season scouting and knowing the areas. So I was able to get on deer that I didn't know were there, just get it i was able to get in there and get in on the sign um and so what i what i'd like to do is try and focus on particular spots like not like not general areas but like this tree or you know that bed or um I want I want to find more of that type of hunting space because I think that that's where we're we and myself get complacent and I think that that's why and I think it, personally for me I think Frank does that to me <laughs> because he just says we're just going to go hunt the the runways we're just going to hunt the spots you know the areas just find runway get up a tree You'll kill a deer. And he's got a lifetime of success doing that. And as... And he's uh, happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not to say that I'm not either. Uh, it's not to say that I'm unhappy. And, and you know, as, um, as much as I say, well, I'm the world's worst bow hunter, that really is a kick in the nuts to somebody who's never killed a deer with a bow or something. You know what I mean? Right. So, but I just feel like... I'm ready to move up to that. That's the my next progression is finding a spot like like that where that tree in the in September or in February or in July and I say I'm going to kill that I'm going to kill that uh, and I I've not come to that yet but that's when it's going to happen. And I don't get, I mean, it would mean just as much to me, I think, 
if I went and I said that tree and a freaking basket rack six point stands up, because all it did is just validate right. that spot. Now that might be the most mature buck in the area too. Whether I mean. it, it whether it's um, the caliber of deer that I'm looking for or whatever, you know, that's where I'm not. That's one of my other goals for the season. I don't know that I necessarily took it away from this, but is to locate more big deer. And I think what I did take away is that an observation sit doesn't have to be a sit. A sit. It just has to be like that scouting that they talk about. Because I'm like, fuck, man, how are these guys getting out there all the time and you know doing these observation sits and doing all the scouting and shit? Well, I did the same thing. Like I got the, that big property by my house if i couldn't hunt it on the before the time change i was the asshole that was driving through there every single day with my binoculars trying to see where these deer were coming out and trying to figure them out and i knew like full well that i wasn't gonna hunt them but i didn't see anything that i was like holy shit i gotta get in there and right and hunt it you know but if you would have but if i I would have it would have it would have changed my thing but i would like to move into into that so you know locating the exact tree the exact spot and the exact why and uh, when and yeah i mean but that might take you know that might take another sit uh, another year another two years uh or whatever and then targeting you know doing more of that in season scouting even preseason scouting or whatever but just knowing that I okay, instead of focusing on like big rubs and you know, yeah, it'd be cool if if everywhere I went there was those. But where I do see trails and crossings and stuff, because I mean, I'm like, how can I go up to these spots and just sit on the road and glass like every freaking day? <laughs> well, I can't. But if I drive by there every day and there's new tracks every day, and then a big one shows up, okay, now now we're getting somewhere. Now you have an idea. And so where before I was just kind of wandering around to do that more purposefully. Yeah, hunt right? with a purpose. And like I said, I, I the, but the purpose is to, to a degree different. Because right. before, like, it was like, I'm just going to go find an area with deer and hope a big one walks by. Instead of saying, all right, which one of these areas has the best idea for uh, big things? And then... From today, what I took away was just the way that wind-based bedding. Um, I've got so many spots where I know that there should be good deer, um, but I just never really figured out how to, like, where to move in on them or whatever. So, you know, he was talking about how deer use slashings. Um, And I got 15 different properties (laughs) <laughs> spaces where there's just been clear cuts and there's a ton of slashings yeah and you know so now to go in there and be like all right well on the downwind side with a predominantly whatever wind and do a lot more one of the things that's one thing i guess we didn't talk about that i'm going to do is when i get to these new areas just walk the edges i mean that's something that i think that was huge that we didn't even yeah. touch on yeah because that's the way we moved through this entire property yeah, that's what he, that's what, like, the number one thing he said. This is how I break the property down, is I just, I get in, I eliminate spots where the deer are not going to be, like the big wood lots and stuff, and then I walk the 
the edges, the transition lines, and look for the sign and where they're moving. And that's like, and that's how he narrows that property down. Yep. And if he sees big tracks or, you know, old rubs, new rubs, whatever, he's in a key on that area. And so that's one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to take these areas that I already hunt or that I'm already somewhat familiar with and then work those transitions where I think that there's going to be deer and then start to narrow down where I, and then just kind of go back through all of that. So walk those transitions, find the areas where I think it's going to be uh, the most beneficial, then pick a tree (laughs) where I think it's going to work. And then hover around that area until I see the sign that I'm looking for. Or blow them out. Well, I, <laughs> and if that's the case, then at least I verified that there was a big one in there. Right. And then now maybe I just say, screw it, I'm not coming back here. I blew it out really bad. So I'll hang a camera in there and come pick it up after the season and see if it lived. And this kind of, <clears throat> he was talking about, he was talking about cameras and stuff, and he said he was guilty of this, you know, himself in the past years ago. But, and I actually seen some of this. One of the spots that I've been wanting to scout, I'm like, I had my pins. I'm like, there's an ag field. There's a big, uh, you know, ravine going down to the marsh, creek. I'm like, and I put pins. I'm like, okay, this is where I think there's going to be some buck beds get down in there sure enough and i found them like oh man look at this bed it's like sat down in it checked it out like this is definitely you know what he's talking about and then i stand up and look around and all of a sudden 20 yards away there's a tree stand but the buck the bed was there but it didn't have fresh sign in it so someone come in did the same thing but then they hung a tree stand within 20 yards of the bed so um but back to the cameras, he's like, you know, cameras are great, but don't, when you find a buck bed, people are guilty of sticking a camera right on the buck bed and like, oh, I want to get the pictures of them in their buck, in their bed. And he's like, you get one picture and that mature buck walks in and it's a picture of him looking at your camera and then he's gone. So put them on the trails. He said, they're more tolerant of the, of a camera being on an exit or entry trail back off away from it they're not tolerant if they're in there you know right in their bedroom you know they're gonna know it's there so that was a that was another big i would have been guilty of that oh i found beds i want to you know i want to verify that the this is a mature buck or, or any kind of buck using it put a camera on it oh get a picture of it and then gone so I just blew that bed out, but so that was another big, you know, a, a piece of information that I really uh, thought was uh, important. Yeah, and it's really hard to like put the experience into like you know like like from our from our perspective, this is all it is. I mean, there was so much more information. Well, yeah, you know, that mean, was more eloquently put, but you we know. started out at you know at eight thirty this morning until what six thirty, and 
it was nonstop conversations and questions. I mean, like I said, we sat at the restaurant, you know, afterwards and talked about, I mean, not just buck baiting, but we, all kinds of hunting and, I mean, just so much information. And that's what everyone gets. And he, you know, and he said that to us, he's like, when we get done, we're going to go back. He had a, you know, we went to the restaurant and had a, you know, excellent meal uh, all set up for us. And he's like, I encourage any questions. He's like, I will stick around until everyone is done talking. He's like, I will hang out and answer any questions and, you know, bullshit with you guys until you guys are ready to leave. And it came down to what, three of us out of the, was there like 13 of us today? No, there's a, there's, well, there's maybe like five of us there, but, but yeah. No, I mean, out of, there was 15 of us in the whole group. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just sat I guess, there. I wasn't talking. counting myself, so there was four of us at the end. When <laughs> yeah. the kid left, you know, the youngest kid left a, a few minutes before, so there was five. But you know, even when we walked out, I seen the other two guys. They were still talking to him in the parking lot some more. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of our breakdown of of our experience uh, at the hunting beast scouting workshop. I would recommend it. I mean, like I said, I've been trying to get over there for like the last three years and finally we were able to go and I mean, hell, like I said, if, if it's in the cards and one, one pops up for farm or hill country or something, cause sometimes they're like in Minnesota or like in other parts of the country and shit. Like, but I mean, maybe we can uh, invite them to go come do one in Michigan with us. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Uh, we can invite him. We can certainly do that. But whether he shows up or not, a whole other story. But he's done a Michigan one in the past. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think you got to have an idea. You have to have an area that you can break down. Like, so, yeah, maybe if you get a spot where you're familiar with and you can bring him in. Because that's the, that's the beauty of this place here in particular is he's been hunting here for so many years. He knows it backwards and forwards, so it's not. It's not a. This is what I would do in the situation. He's like, this is what happens, and this is what I actually do. You know, right? And you know, like when they did the public land challenge in Michigan this year, you know, even in last year, they've proven it. They put their knowledge, you know, boots on the ground. They put it to the test, and both. You know, both the public land challenge, Dan's team has come out, like, with the best buck or with the kill. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the, uh, the hunting public guys did a great job. They had some opportunities on some nice bucks, too. I mean, so not I'm not putting one over the other. But well, it's not a competition. Exactly. It's, just... it's a it's a informational overload for the for everybody that wants to watch it. But But, you know. Last it, it last just drives year. home the point that yeah. it works. It works, you know, anywhere. And they, you know, they actually, you know, we talked about this before the, uh, or while it was going on or whatever, I think we put, talked about it on the podcast where originally they were supposed to go to like Jackson County and then uh, the, the location got leaked out. And so they had to switch up. So that was even more of a, you know, a test to it because now all of a sudden right before they're leaving, they had changed up areas and had to go to a totally different area. So then they had to, you know, and then when they got there, 
a lot of people, I probably would have been like, oh, I mean, it was nothing but rain. The water was so high, like a ton of the area was flooded out. And so I would have been like, fuck, this shit's, it's screwed. You know, we can't hunt where, you know, the deer should be. And, but he put his knowledge to the test there and, and they figured it out. And like you said, you know, I think you actually asked him a question while we were doing the, the, um, workshop, you know, what about like when you went, go, go to Michigan, he's like, well, I looked at it and then, you know, I knew where the deer should be and we just worked our way in and we got it done. Of course, you know, Joe killed the buck. It wasn't like in the, the complete, it wasn't in the, it was in the high ground there cause it was. It was so wet, but just, you know, I don't mean to just keep beating the drum about it, but, you know, the information that that he gives out, it's just, it's invaluable. Yeah. And, and so, th- like I say, that's what I was just trying to get at is that, you know, if you have the opportunity to, to, to get to one of these seminars, um, I would certainly do it because... The one thing, and John and I talked about this, and you know we've 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 said it before, um, almost on the the other side of the spectrum. But this is like one of the rare occasions, like where a anybody could do this, right? So you. All you have to do is sign up for the workshop and you can come. It's not like an exclusive thing. B. You don't have to be famous like us. <laughs> <laughs> but Complete this, joke. <laughs> this is the, um, this is public land that you could hunt. You know, he asks that if you're from the area that you don't go do it because these are places that he actively hunts. But this is not, I mean, in, in reality, think of another um, person on the planet who has killed that many trophy class deer. And there's, there's tons of people out there. And we talked about it at the restaurant back there that you'll never know their names that are incredible hunters and, and probably have better walls than, than Dan. Right. But that's going to take you, to their hunting spot for white-tailed deer <laughs> and show you how to kill them on this piece of public property that if you were an asshole, you could go there and hunt. Right. You know, you know, white-tailed guys don't, don't do that. You know, that's not a, a thing. And public land guys are even more close to the vest. And... It's just one of those rare occasions where you get the opportunity to go to somewhere where anybody could literally do this. And even if you said, well, well, we could go to the Drury's farm or we could go to Lee and Tiffany's or, you know, who, you know, I'm sure Bill Jordan's Realtree farms have great thing. Jeff Foxworthy's Tecamati Ranch, right? Anybody could do that for the sum of money or resources or, or whatever. 
You know, this is a, a full-on public land. Like, here is exactly what I do, where I do it, how I do it. Now, when you get into Western hunting, you know, everybody out West wants to help you out. Because for the most part, if you're starting out or you're, you're trying to learn, you're not trying to tr- kill a trophy-class bull, you know. And I would imagine that a Western hunter who has a trophy unit or bulls in mind or whatever, they think that you're coming from wherever out east, South Carolina, Michigan, Maine, you're going to fuck it up anyways. Like, you're not going to kill that big buck, that big bull, <laughs> you know. So come on out here. We'll get you on some animals, you know. We'll, we'll help you out as best you can. But it just doesn't happen in the whitetail world, at least not in my experience, and not so so freely. Now, you know, there's people that have, you know, that you could have a mentor and somebody that takes you under their wing and they teach you and show you and, you know, you have that relationship with them. Right. But that's, I mean. That's a rare occasion. Anybody can can do this, you know. You have the opportunity to sit down and pick the brain of, you know, the big buck serial killer. And I just, I can't reiterate the fact that enough like if you're serious about hunting and want to become a better hunter like it's something that you should really consider right yep so do it but yeah we are into illinois here and uh weather's cleared up but i think that's pretty much all we got for for this evening so uh so check it out go to the hunting beast forum and um you know read 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 listen you know there's so much information over there on this stuff and you know we just got done saying how you can't get everything from the dvds but there's something to take away from the dvds from the forum from you know these other regular guys and and, and there is so much information out there it will make you a better hunter so so definitely check it out thanks for listening